Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. Welcome back to Anchor Point. For the next two weeks, we have two very special broadcasts for you. Today, we're featuring a message given by a young man by the name of Micah Hackett, who went to be with his Lord and Savior on July the 17th, 2019, just a few months ago, at the young age of 19. Micah accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as his Savior in his youth, and he never looked back in his devotion and service to the Lord he loved. Even in the face of death, he was sustained by the word of God, and he desired that his last days should be fruitful ones. Micah wished for the opportunity to preach Christ just one more time, but his illness due to cancer prevented him from doing so in a public manner. So we here at Anchor Point would like to share a couple of his messages with you. Micah loved to preach the gospel, and this message is entitled, A Gospel Worth Preaching where he presents the significance of the gospel, its reliability, and its power to change lives of which Micah was a prime example. We hope that the words of this young man will convince you to trust the Savior that you need as well. What should I speak on? What text should I go to to best explain what the gospel of Christ means? I am reminded that it is not by a sermon that people come to know God. It is not by eloquence that people come to know God. It is by a clear understanding of who Christ is and of what his cross means. So 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 1 to 11 contain some of the clearest verses of what the gospel is and of why it matters in your life. So we're going to ask that question, what is the gospel and is it worth preaching? It has been preached for 2,000 years. Why have so many people endeavored to commit their lives to this message called the gospel? What is so significant about this Bible that we hold in our hands, the word of God to us this evening? So we are going to read the first 11 verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and then I will go verse by verse through the passage just explaining what the gospel is. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. Gospel is a word that means good news, which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, that is a name for Peter, the disciple, then of the twelve, the rest of the disciples. After that, he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once 
of whom the greater part remain unto this present, unto this present day. But some are fallen asleep, some have died. After that he was seen of James, that is, the brother of the Lord Jesus, and then of all the apostles. And last of all he was seen of me also, as of one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles, that am not meet, I am not fit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preached, and so you believed. My burden today is to present a clear message on what the gospel is, so that all of us will have a clearer picture of the significance of this message and a clear understanding of what its claims are. So I want to follow three very simple lines of thought this evening. In verses 3 to 5, we have a very concise definition of what the gospel is. What is the significance of this message called good news? Why is it good news? And what composes the news that is so good? Then I want to consider a very practical issue with you in verses 6 to 9 on the reliability of the gospel. The gospel claims that a man 2,000 years ago died and rose from the dead. He came back to life. How do we know that such a message is reliable? What is our basis for believing it? And then I want to look in verse number 10 at the power of the gospel. Does it really change lives? And does it change lives forever? So before we come to those verses, we come to verses 1 and 2. And Paul says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which you have also received. So he is speaking to a church in a city called Corinth. And Corinth is a very culturally diverse city with many different beliefs and many different views. And yet Paul could bring this one message in that was unchanging and steadfast. So he says, there was a time when I came to you and I preached the gospel message. I preached the good news of who Jesus Christ is. And he says, now that you are established as a church, I want to reiterate the same message to you again. And that just tells me this simple point, that whatever this gospel message is, it is unchanging. It is unchanging. Paul did not believe one thing this day and then change his mind the next. The same gospel he preached at the first is the gospel he preached until the day he died. So he can say, now I'm going to declare the gospel again, because it is unchanging. It is unchanging. So we have that idea that in a, in a multicultural world, in a world that is changing so fast, here is this message that stands above all, and it does not change. So then he says that you have received it, and it is a message that could make you stand, it gives you stability. And he says, by which also you are saved, it delivers people from sins. And Corinth was a real example of that. And then he says, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. Let me just explain what that means in verse number two, unless you have believed in vain. This entire chapter is a chapter where Paul is proving why it is necessary that Christ rose from the dead. So basically what he is saying is this gospel message hinges on this radical claim that Jesus Christ really died, but Jesus Christ rose again. And if Jesus Christ did not rise again, you have no hope, you have no basis for believing anything for sure. 
The resurrection is everything. So if you are going to examine Jesus Christ and you are going to examine this book, you need to ask yourself this question. Do I believe that God can raise people from the dead? Does God have the power to do that? So that kind of gives us a background of the importance of the gospel. So in verse number three, Paul brings to us the actual substance of what this gospel message is. He says, for I delivered unto you first of all, and that just is a simple phrase that means of first importance. He came to this city of Corinth, and it was a city with many perspectives, a city with many prospects, with many businesses, with many ideas, and yet he was not concerned with advancing the culture. He was not concerned with transforming the culture. He was concerned with giving these people a message that would change them inside. I delivered unto you of first importance. There was no other priority on my mind that you should understand that Jesus Christ has died for our sins and that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. I have delivered it to you of first importance. I want to ask you a question. We are living in a world that glorifies diversity. We are living in a world that glorifies different ideas. Are you prepared to believe one thing, one thing that comes from God? Are you prepared to set aside your preconceived notions for this one reality, that Jesus Christ has died for our sins and God has raised him from the dead? Is it your priority to be sure about the claims of Jesus Christ. Only when you have a heart burden and a true concern will you ever find the truth of God. Only when it is a priority in your life will you find true assurance and true rest. I delivered unto you of first importance. He says, I received it, meaning that this is not Paul's theology. This is something he received from Christ, so it is reliable. So let me give you five keys of the gospel. If you should remember five things about what the gospel is, this will be the best news you have heard all day. In fact, this is the best news that you will hear in your life. Five things. Let me give them to you. Number one, Paul presents to us how that Christ died for our sins. Christ died for our sins. I probably could have taken the entire meeting on just those four words. Christ died for our sins. Five words. Christ. If you are to understand the gospel, you must understand who this person called Jesus Christ is. That title Christ is simply a word that means anointed one. It means one that God has chosen to fulfill his purposes in the earth. And in fact, this person called Christ is also called the Son of God. He is one that has been eternally God himself, the one that created your soul and that gave you breath. So Paul is presenting this idea that God has entered into his creation and God has revealed himself in this person called Jesus Christ. What did he do? Why did he come? Let me present to you a word called substitution. If you were to remember one word for the gospel, remember this word, substitution. Substitution means that instead of me, it is someone else. So the idea here is that Christ died for our sins. They are our sins. They are sins that we should be punished for, sins that we should be judged for. And yet it says Christ died for our sins. Instead of me dying for my sins, 
Christ died for our sins. There's a wonderful verse in Isaiah that says, Christ, it says, he was wounded for my transgressions, my breaking of God's law. He was crushed for my sins. The gospel is the radical claim that you must bear the punishment for your sins because you have violated God's law. And yet the gospel presents this radical claim that there is one who has stepped in your place and he has paid the price for sin. Christ died for our sin. I want to take a moment to impact that for you. Later in this chapter, we find the words that the sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. The sting of death is sin. It is this idea that about 6,000 years ago, there was a man named Adam and he disobeyed God. He violated God's law. And Romans 5 tells us that because Adam has sinned, because Adam sinned as the first human to ever exist, that sin has now passed upon every single human being that has ever existed except the Lord Jesus Christ. And so you sit in your seat this evening as one who is by nature a sinner. And God promised Adam that if you should disobey my law, the day you do that, you will die. You will be subjected to death. And the moment Adam disobeyed God, Adam plunged this world into a curse, into a curse that has ravaged everything that we hold dear. It has given us instability, it has terrorized our souls, and it has brought hopelessness upon man because of death, death. And yet we read these wonderful words that Christ died in all of its horror, in all of its devastation for me, for you. Even though you are a sinner, even though you are one that has violated God's law and therefore have his judgment over your head, Christ entered into death for you so that you might have an opportunity to have life, so that you might not have to face death in all of its terror, in all of its fear, because Christ died for our sins. Wonderful, wonderful truth. It doesn't have to be me that bears the consequences of my sins because Christ died for my sins. That is the single most important factor of the gospel, that God has made a way whereby he can forgive sinners. That is what the gospel is. That is what the gospel is. So we come to number two. It was according to the scriptures. It was according to the word of God. And if you are searching for truth, if you have restlessness in your soul because of where you will spend eternity. If you fear death, let me recommend to you the one thing that you must do. You must come to grips with this book and you must examine its claims and you must see that if God is truly speaking in these pages of scripture, are you ready to accept that? You see, the gospel depends on this one fact that God has spoken and that God's authority stands supreme. If you are not willing to bow to God's authority, then the cross will mean nothing to you. So please, if you want a foundation to rest on, rest on the scriptures, rest on the Bible, rest on God's word. It grants you everlasting stability because it gives you a promise that Christ died for our sins, and therefore he can grant you forgiveness. Number three, 
The gospel is not only that Christ died for our sins, the gospel is not only that we must believe God's word, but the gospel is that Christ was buried. And the simple lesson I want to take from that is that it proves he died. He really died. He really died. So that real man handled his body after he died. And they saw the devastation that the cross brought to him. And they buried him. Then we come to number four. And this is something we must all grasp, especially in the context of chapter 15. And that he was buried, but the gospel doesn't stop there. The gospel doesn't stop with one who was conquered by death. It says, and that he was raised. That he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. Let me present to you the most radical claim on the face of the earth. Jesus Christ really died. He died for your sin. And Jesus Christ, by his own power, raised himself from the dead. There's a verse in Acts that says it was impossible that he should be held, that he should be bound by the chains of death. It was impossible. Why? Because Jesus possesses life in himself. He rose from the dead. And so by the fact that he rose from the dead, he not only says that God can forgive our sins, but he says that you can have everlasting life because he has destroyed the power of death. Do you fear death? Let me present to you a savior who has gone into death, but has come out of death for your sake. That is the gospel that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead and he is alive today. He is in heaven right now. Number five is that he appeared, that he was really seen. His resurrection was not simply a theory, but it was a reality. And so that brings me into my second point of the reliability of this message. Can we trust what this book is saying about such a radical claim that Jesus Christ rose from the dead? Well, let me give you a couple reasons to believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead according to this text. Why should we believe a book that was written 2,000 years ago? Well, first of all, it is from God, but let me give you a couple other reasons of why we should believe it. It says that he was seen. In verse number six, it says that he was seen of above 500 brethren at once. In other words, at one single time, Jesus, after he died, appeared bodily to 500 people, even more than that, more than 500 people at once. That tells me that these people could not have been hallucinating because hallucination does not happen in a group. The fact that 500 people saw him means he really rose from the dead. This could be no mistake. But then Paul brings us another point and he says, and the greater part of these people, most of these people are still alive today. So if you want to validate my claim, go ask them. Nobody Nobody would bring that kind of transparency to a message they were lying about. If Paul was lying, he would not say, go ask these people yourself. I have nothing to hide. So 500 people saw Christ. Paul was absolutely confident that they would be a witness to what he was saying. But I think one of the greatest proofs of all that Jesus Christ really rose from the dead is what we find in verse number 9. Paul says that I persecuted the church of God. Paul was a person who killed Christians. And yet one day he came face to face with Jesus Christ after he had ascended back into heaven and after he was glorified. And Paul came face to face with this Jesus who rose from the dead. This man hated Jesus Christ. 
And yet after he saw this man, Jesus Christ, who had truly risen from the dead, he was changed forever and he went to his death. He was beheaded for this message that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Do you think a man would die for a lie? I don't think so. Not for one that he knew was a lie. This man was absolutely confident Jesus Christ is alive. And if Paul's word was not good enough, listen, this is God's word. And Second Peter tells us that even though we have eyewitness testimony, you believe the word of God. That is the surest thing to base your eternity on, the word of God. Let me just mention briefly the power of the gospel in verse number 10. He says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Paul looked back to a time in his life where he was a persecutor, where he was a murderer. And he says, what, what free kindness God has given me that I should be able to proclaim this message. And he says, God's grace, God's kindness still remains with me because it is currently God's grace that enables me to preach the gospel. Let me present to you a gospel that changes people's lives. Let me present to you a gospel that grants you permanent security in the grace of God. I'm not just saying that God can forgive your sins. I'm saying that God can give you new life. I'm saying that God can give you transformation. And I'm saying that God is offering a relationship with you in which he will never leave you, in which he will never forsake you, in which his grace is with you day by day to sustain you until the day you die. That's the power of this message. And so we come to verse number 11, and with that I will close. Therefore, whether it were I or whether it were they preaching, so we preach. <laughs> I like that. So we preach. Best message in the world, and we're not ashamed of it. We're going to preach it until the day we die. That's Paul's mentality. But then he adds that very solemn, that very solemn factor at the last part. He says, and so you believed. Dear friend, God has provided a way that you can be forgiven of your sins. And he asks one response of you. God is commanding that you believe his word, that you trust him for your salvation from sin. I can preach all day and all night, but the reality is my preaching will not save you. In fact, even having a Bible on your lap will not save you. You must make that permanent decision. I'm going to yield to God's will, to God's authority. God has spoken and it is enough for me. So my question to you, will you believe the message? You must. You must believe God's word, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he rose again according to the scriptures. May God grant that in some measure Christ, as it were, would appear to you in all of his beauty, not physically, but just to know this is the one for me. I commend him to you this evening, and I plead with you that you would believe him, that you would take God at his word. Yes, this is a gospel worth preaching, a gospel that saves souls, a gospel that saves lives. Micah Hackett would have you to take God at his word, to believe what God presents to you in the gospel, an opportunity to escape judgment and enjoy eternal life, both now and forever. Listen again to Micah's words. Christ entered into death for you so that you might have an opportunity to have life, so that you might not have to face death in all of its terror, in all of its fear, because Christ 
died for our sins. Wonderful, wonderful truth. It doesn't have to be me that bears the consequences of my sins because Christ died for my sins. Are you able to say that? Give your soul a chance and consider the truths of the gospel and make an informed choice, the only wise choice. Believe God. Trust Christ for your soul's salvation. If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you to understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at email at anchorpointradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad that you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by Christians who are meeting in various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday night, as well as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. No collection is ever taken, and a very warm welcome awaits you. And if you've been challenged by today's message, would like to know more about the truth of the gospel, or of gathering under the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, following New Testament principles, please feel free to check out our website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information, as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the Gospel Hall nearest you. Also, feel free to take a look at other literature and audio offers at anchorpointradio.com, where you can also subscribe to our Anchor Point podcast. My name is John Sharp, and thank you once again for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that in times like these, you need a Savior. And in times like these, you need an anchor.